of the podcast episode 115 Dennis Bernstein I don't even know what the numbers are anymore because uh we have not done a show in several weeks yeah. 115 is where I think we yes, are we're at 115 and, and John there is a faction of fans that are angry at us for not doing uh, a podcast for uh, two weeks but uh, happy to be with you back from Canada and the Kings are on a on a roll despite losing in uh, Winnipeg last night in overtime Yes, so uh, here's the thing real quickly, fans. Sometimes Dennis and I have other commitments outside of this podcast that cause our schedules to not sync up. But if you ever have a question, um, all you need to do is just text one of us. You can reach Dennis at 310. Yeah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I wish you guys could see the look on Dennis's face right now. Uh, Yeah, sorry, guys. Exactly. Waving my hands frantically. We've been busy. Stop it. Yes, we've... (laughs) Life gets in the way sometimes. We've been busy. Let's go. Uh, we've, we've tried though. We've tried to answer all of your questions on, on Twitter and, uh, we've tried to, we've tried to keep you in the loop, but we are back enough of the past. Let's get to the future. DB, we have a huge show lined up today. We're going to talk about the LA Kings. We're going to talk about their prospects. We're going to talk about the world juniors. We're going to talk about the road trip. We're going to talk about all sorts of things, but before we get started today, uh, I have a trivia question before I give you the name of the studio. And, uh, do you happen to know the, the, I don't want to say the story, but do you happen to know anything at all about Wayne Gretzky's last point in an L.A. Kings sweater? No, and I saw you tweet something about that. Um, So I I don't know, so so please lay it up. Sure. So every – well, today we're coming to you from beautiful Southern California where it is an unbelievably hot 95 degrees uh, in November. So, Dennis, I don't know if it's global warming or what it is, but this is ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, The summers used to end around – uh, Labor Day, right. and then they would slowly, they've been extending into late September, early October. Dude, it's like 90 no. to 95 degrees out, and we're in mid-November. This is insane. It's global cooling, global warming. <laughs> Who knows, John? I don't know. Well, somewhere on this planet, I hope that they're enjoying the cold. Um, I was out at the drag races yesterday where 95 oh, felt I, like I'm 125. Sure. Oh, for sure. And then my son had a hockey game last night, and so I was literally, <laughs> I went from sweating during the day too shivering cold at the uh, end of the night inside the rink. So I experienced both ends of the spectrum. But that's not why people tuned into the podcast, Dennis. Uh, we're coming to you from beautiful Southern California. This is the John Slaney studio that we are recording in today. Now, some people might be wondering who is John Slaney besides the uh, heroics at the World Juniors and why are we talking about him? He was with the L.A. Kings for a brief period of time, Dennis, but it ties back to Winnipeg. Sure. Every time the Kings go to Winnipeg, I like to sort of tweet out to uh, – take a trip down memory lane 
Wayne Gretzky's final game with the LA Kings came in Winnipeg. I happened to be on that trip. It was a Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg uh, trip there in 1996. And I believe it was February 26th, 1996, Wayne's last game with the LA Kings before they flew home and he was traded to St. Louis. And his final point came on the first goal of that game. He had an assist. John Slaney had the goal. So the Kings lost that game. 4-3, 4-3, Keith Kachuk with the first two goals of the game. John Slaney got things going for the Kings, assisted by Marty McSorley and Wayne Gretzky. So there's your trivia, fans. Go and impress your friends. Ask them the last point that uh, Gretz scored while he was wearing a Kings jersey. John Slaney had the goal that night. And uh, there's not much else to talk about when it comes to John Slaney and the L.A. Kings. That was a dark period for L.A. DB. Sure. Uh, you went from the early 90s where... You know, Sandstrom and Granado and Robitaille and Blake and Jitnik and, and Gretzky and all those guys, they had that great run. 91, they won the division. 93, they went to the Stanley Cup final. You end up missing the playoffs. You get your coach fired. You get your GM fired. Next thing you know, Wayne Gretzky is traded. Your owner is uh, off to jail. Yes. And it was just <laughs> the late 90s were not, not good. Days. Really they bounced back from there, but it was not a good period for the franchise. They did indeed. Uh, they eventually ended up, uh, through a couple of changes of ownership, they eventually ended up in the hands of Philip Anschutz and AEG Sports was created. And uh, you get Staples Center, you get downtown L.A., you get the playoff run, you get uh, the miracle on Manchester. Eric Belanger came on recently, talked about that. So we've had a lot of fun going back and reminiscing. But uh, enough of that. Let's move on. Sure. Dennis, so you did mention there at the top, the Kings, as we record this on on Sunday uh, afternoon here, the the Kings just wrapped up their road trip. They flew home from Canada. They had a four-game road trip, and uh, you were on the first part of that. Want to hear about your your trip? Just why don't we start here, though? Thoughts overall. The Kings just ended a seven-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. They still picked up a point, so they still have points in at least eight straight, uh, pushing that Winnipeg game to overtime. But just overall, yeah. when you think about the winning streak and when you think about the road trip, what are just kind of some of your opening uh, thoughts? I think, John, number one, they find ways to win. And they're winning games mm-hmm. last this year that they didn't win last season. They they would drop these games, right? And not only that, mm-hmm. they had an opportunity to win in Winnipeg, like a big time opportunity. That that tough shorthanded goal, and you know, I can't. I mean, some people are blaming Cal Peterson for last night, and I'm like, well, he's not the better goaltender right now. But I don't know how you blame Cal on that shorthanded goal. The the, the puck hit to no stick, and then Mark Shifley's inside the, the circle with a blast with 36 seconds into the first shift. So. Um, the, the one thing for me, John, is that they don't do anything exceptionally well except for goaltending at this point because Quick's been, you know, I think he's top five in save percentage. They check very, very well. This is a way better checking team, and I'm sure you've also commented on this. They're a speedier team. So I think, and mm-hmm. you go back to the Toronto game, right? Toronto, two years ago, last season, you would have to figure a way how to try to shut this team down, how to slow them down. But now they can skate with them, so they don't have to slow teams down. So they can take more chances. They've been very opportunistic. But here's the – John, you know we, how we joke about it's a 3-2 league, what Daryl said. Do you know that six of their last nine games have been 3-2 games? So they've been close games, and they found ways to win, and you can't be apologetic for that. Look, do they need offense? Yeah. Do, do they need to be better on the power play? Of course they do. But you have to be satisfied with this run because, again – they're not making mistakes. They're they're making the right place to win the games, John. So that that's my feedback on the trip. It was a seven points out of eight. You sign for that every time, and now a huge homestand coming up. So those are my thoughts. What are your thoughts about the last couple of weeks? 
Well, I, I, I would lead everything with a headline that probably dovetails to what you just said, and that is work in progress. This team is a work in progress. And the uh, we're going to get into it in the third period, I believe, when we start talking about what the roster, what the lineup is going to look like starting on Wednesday because you have some players sure. coming back. And so that's why I still think this team is a work in progress because for anything that we would have seen on the road trip and we would have pointed to as a positive, we're not sure if those things are going to continue once you start putting some other players in the lineup. The team is still a work in progress. And any of the things that you didn't like, whether it be defensively or on the power play or whatever, again, when you put some other players in the lineup, that changes the dynamics again. So the team does continue to be a work in progress. I think you pointed to some of the things that you do sort of have to like, right? Because those first uh, five or five or eight games were, were pretty rough. And, you know, uh, just follow social media and listening to the, you know, Kings fans who were calling for the heads of everybody. Right. They wanted to fire the GM, fire the coach, trade all the players. I mean, it was pretty ugly. And then, you know, the Dowdy injury and the Walker injury just sort of put more salt into the wound there. And it was rough. And, and, and then to turn the page and to be able to accomplish what they were able to do there, get back to 500 and then get a little bit above. And like you said, uh, find ways to win games. And I think that's, for me, the most impressive thing about this this period of time right here. It would have been easy for this team to revert back to the way they were last sure. year. It would have been easy for this team to mail some stuff in, feel sorry Absolutely. for themselves uh, when Dowdy was out, when Walker was out. It would have been easy for Todd McClellan to go heavy on the known commodities and to not give Kale Clegg minutes. You know, let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade here. Uh, they weren't too impressed with Kale Clegg at the NHL level last year, and that's why they abandoned the – we talked about this last season. That's why they abandoned the plan that they had going in. The plan going into last year was to play Bjornfoot half the games and Clegg half the, uh, half the games. And very quickly, Toby took over that role, and, you know, Clegg was back in the AHL. So he, he made some adjustments in his game. He found his confidence. He's playing differently. And, of course – Part of it is necessity, sure. right? The Kings didn't really have a choice, but Todd did have a choice. He could have he could have sheltered someone like a Kale Clegg. He could have played him limited minutes. He could have kept him off the power play. Uh, and, and you had to wonder if that's where he was going when you saw Matt Roy early on in those first couple of games right after Dowdy went down. It's like, Matt Roy, that's the answer on the power play? But that's not what Todd did. Uh, you know, you could say he rolled the dice or you could say, you know, he took a chance, but he certainly didn't play it from a conservative perspective. He gave Clegg a lot of minutes and gave him the power play opportunities, and he was producing. Um, they're still looking for a, a goal from, from yeah. the blue line this year. They're still looking for <laughs> some power play goals on the road. So, again, back to everything is a work in progress. Uh, but, DB, I will, I will just uh, look to, before we get too far into the, the sure. roster stuff in the third period, you know, give us some of the other color, you know, yeah. you, you traveling is different right now. And, uh, mm -hmm. you, you know, you gave us chapter and verse on how frustrating it was during the pandemic to be uh, quarantined up in Canada when you were there on the Canadian road trip previously, a little bit different this time to get out and about and to uh, enjoy some of the fun stuff in Toronto and Montreal. So yeah. tell us more of the non, you know, between the whistle stuff from your road well, trip. First of all, I will say that I'm 2-0 uh, with respect to LAK uh, road trip, uh, road <laughs> okay. games in Canada. And despite urging from some of the organization, I made the smart move and did not go to Ottawa and Winnipeg. And you talk about global warming, John. It snowed in Winnipeg, and they had to stay in Ottawa for an extra day. Uh, so to come in, go into the country, I had to do a PCR RT test, so the most expensive test, John, I had to do. And then I had to go through all this um, uh, online application. With, it's a, an Arrive Canada app. And, I, and uh, flying to Canada on a Monday, John, it was an hour and 40 minutes of clear customs. 
So it was a very, very long line. It was a, it was a zoo. Um, they did check when I got on the plane that I had a vaccination and a PCR test. Um, I didn't, I had to take a PCR test or I had to take a test coming back into the country, which they never checked when I got back to the States, they didn't care, but I did have to show my vaccination. I'm going around town in, in Toronto, kind of like the same in the States. You have to, you have to show your vaccination. Like I went out to dinner, one of the fans, and I'll give a shout out to Josh Trujillo, um, in, in, in Montreal. Um, you have to show a vaccination proof of vaccination to go into establishments and eat dinner and things of that nature. Toronto was a shorter stay, just one day in, one day out. Montreal was fantastic. And John, I got a great break with the weather. It was 55 degrees in Montreal in November, which never happens. Walked the streets around uh, the arena, St. Catherine Street. It was just great. I went to Lester's for a smoked meat sandwich on the day uh, at Liberty. I had a great dinner with Knuckles Nyland and Simon Salikas from TS690. Imagine sitting with Chris Nile and that legend for four hours, a four-hour dinner telling oh. stories. And the best part was when we walked in, Brendan Gallagher was at the seat table next to us. He goes, you want a picture? I go, no, no, I'm not a fanboy, please. So it was just – it was – but, John, I think to me it just struck home very early. Like when I was at uh, Scotiabank Arena and they played O Canada in front of a full house, to me I was like, okay, things are getting really, really close to normal. Sure, you have to wear masks and it's still – you know, a little bit of uh, difficulty with respect to that. But just being in Canada, watching games there, two games were just, uh, it was great. It was amazing. I hope that the next time I go back, we won't have to wear masks or anything like that. But it was, it was a really fun time. And you forget, like, what hockey's about in Canada until you go back to a game where there are people in the stands. Because, like you mentioned, the last time I was in Canada, I was at an empty you know, Rogers Arena for the Stanley Cup final between Dallas and Tampa Bay. And that was the most unnatural thing I've really seen when it comes to sports. So great trip, great results for the Kings. Uh, I'm glad I did it. And I'm looking forward to going back in uh, in July for the NHL draft in Montreal. Yeah, so you gave me a little preview then, I guess, of what to expect. I'm yeah, going to be leaving Jews, yeah. uh, for for Red Deer and for Edmonton on the 26th, right after Christmas. I'll be leaving to go up to yeah. the World Juniors for 10 days. And uh, I guess I, I need to get all my testing yes. Uh, lined up and scheduled because it's going to be a weird deal right around the holidays, yes. uh, you know, but to show the vaccination cards, I'll stock up on masks. I'll do all that stuff, make sure that we're good to go, but it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting, right? Yeah. Because it's also a different area of yes. Canada. So you're dealing with, you know, what's going on in, in Edmonton at the time. I'm a little frustrated with the airlines right now too, because I specifically booked uh, nonstop flights coming and yeah. going. I hate layovers and they canceled my nonstop flight going. Yeah. And now, instead of flying directly into Edmonton, now I uh, fly who, into Calgary and then hop over who, to Edmonton. Who, who did so, you book? Uh, I ended up – that was through Delta. Okay. Uh, normally, I, I I fly either JetBlue or American, but uh, JetBlue, they're starting their Canadian routes yeah. later it's, next it's, year. So they weren't available. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. funny you mentioned Canada because I was supposed to fly back from Montreal on a Thursday at 7.15 a.m. And they Air Canada canceled the flight. And I flew back at 6.15 yeah. p.m. But fortunately, uh, the hotel I booked gave me a late checkout. But the same thing happened to me, John. Like on the return trips, they just randomly cancel stuff and just say, okay, here's a different yeah. flight. So to me, I went through the same thing that you're going through with respect to nonstop flights. Yeah, and it's, I mean, first of all, the nonstop thing irritates me enough. Yeah. But then also just dealing with the, I'm, I'm trying to, the World Juniors kicks off on the 26th. Yeah. So I miss opening yeah. day because I choose to fly on the 26th because sure. I want to be home of on course. the 25th. But uh, flying on the 26th, you want to get there as quickly right. as possible, right? And, you know, get checked in, get settled, whatever, and be ready to go on the 27th. So, uh, 
Hey, look though, first Problem. world problems, yeah. right? So uh, problem. we're not here to complain. <laughs> we're not here to complain about that. Very fortunate <laughs> to uh, to be out there on the road. Uh, DB, look, check your email this week. Look for uh, the PR staff to uh, settle your seat on the the charter flight for the next road <laughs> trip. Then, being that you're you're two and zero oh out there on the road, the Kings could use you. So your 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 juju must must have been left over, and they were still feeling it in Ottawa. Yeah. But it, it wore off by the time they got to Winnipeg. Yeah, well, it helped that nine guys were out of the lineup for Ottawa. That was a, that was one of the weirdest games. And uh, but hey, look, a win's a win, and you don't be apologetic. You put the two points in the bank, especially early in the season. And like you mentioned, John, they really righted the ship because I couldn't agree with you more with respect to your tape. One five and one coming home, you lose that game to Winnipeg, and you're like, okay, is the bottom falling out? And give this team credit. They dug their heels in. Um, they played great defensive hockey. They don't see to me, John. It's funny when I watched the, the Toronto game. Like they had the bottom six out there. Like Blake was that out against the Austin Matthews. I'm going okay is, is in a two one game. You got Austin Matthews against Blake was that. That's not really a great matchup. But I, I, this team is plucky, John. You know I, I, they really, mm-hmm. really are. I, I give this team a lot of credit because it could have easily gone the other way, and it hasn't. And they're amidst the things right now. And that's what you want. Like right now, would Todd sign for eight five and two or whatever they are? Of course you would. So I think that again, mm-hmm. it's a credit to this team to saying, you know what? I know people are missing. We we had a bad stretch, but they have really, really uh, just been resilient all the way through. Yeah, they've been able to right the ship, and now you can go into the next chapter. You know, we think about Terry Murray, too, who, the former coach of the Kings, who would talk about taking the season in sort of 10-game yeah. chunks, yeah. and maybe you want to take this season here in a 15-game chunk. Sure. Right? You draw a line in the sand, and you go, okay, that's what happened for the first 15 games. Yeah. Now what's going to happen over the next 15 games? We're going to get it out in the third period, second period. There are some uh, prospect-related uh, There's some prospect related news right. specifically to the Ontario Reign that's going to impact some of what we talk about in the third period. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side, and we'll talk more L.A. Kings roster and other news in the second period. Okay, welcome back, Kings fans. And uh, DB, before we move along here, just a quick announcement. We are going to have some autographed pucks and some uh, tickets and some other stuff that we're going to be giving away in podcasts uh, coming up in the near future. So some of the ones that we're going to do between now and the end of the year, we'll give some stuff away. But before we do, first, just want to make mention of this. Uh, Mercury Insurance has a program going on right now, Kings fans, where you can get some free tickets to go to a game, and that's not a bad deal, right? Save your money, spend it on Christmas presents, but still get out to Staples. So uh, Mercury Insurance has given LA Kings fans two free tickets for a regular season home game if they complete an online auto or homeowner's insurance quote. It's called Get a Quote, Get Two Tickets. Pretty simple and straightforward, right? So the uh, Get a Quote, Get Two Tickets promotion is available now through December 3rd, so you have a few more weeks left. And anybody who completes an online Mercury Auto Insurance quote at mercuryinsurance.com backslash kings will be sent a code redeemable for two tickets to an upcoming game at Staples Center. And here's the best part, DB. 
we get asked questions like this all the time. You know, oh, I already, I already have that. I already own that. I'm already a customer, whatever. Don't worry. If you're a Mercury Insurance policyholder currently, all right, uh, you're still eligible. So just go to the website, check out the details, figure out how you can be involved as well. So mercuryinsurance.com slash kings. Uh, get a quote. Get two free tickets. Not a bad deal, DB. Absolutely, John. Great idea. Okay, so moving right along here, Dennis, uh, we're going to get to the L.A. Kings roster changes because you do have guys coming out of protocol. Leas Anderson sure. uh, is, is going to be available for this week as well. Reported that uh, just the other day or discussed it. But here's the thing, Dennis. Um, even outside and away from the L.A. Kings uh, at the NHL level, there's a lot going on. So let's first talk about what's happening uh, at college. I tweet this out every Monday when the college yeah. hockey uh, poll comes out. College hockey is back, guys, and uh, it's really exciting this year because last year was so weird. Games were getting canceled all the time, and you know some teams canceled their whole season. But college hockey, for the most part, is back, and it's, it's, it's on track, which is good, knock on wood. Uh, the Kings do have players right now playing for five different teams. And the good news is that four of those teams are inside the top 20. And you have to wonder if uh, one of those or maybe more are going to be on the move again this week. So uh, number one ranked St. Cloud, uh, David Rennick, the goaltender who's breaking all the records uh, there at the school for, for goaltenders. And we've had him on the program as well. The Karate Kid, he's outstanding. That's the number one ranked <laughs> team in the country. Number six, Minnesota, Brock Faber. And I mentioned Faber because it's going to dovetail into our upcoming conversation here about the World Juniors. He's been anchoring the defense there for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Last week, they were ranked at number six. Ten is Harvard. They've been on the uh, they've been moving up the rankings. Harvard has uh, Alex Lafiere as well, uh, yeah. and he made his debut and scored a goal, uh, maybe even two at this point. So keep an eye on Harvard. They're moving up. And then UMass Lowell, we talk a lot about them or talked last year. We had uh, Andre Lee on the program. Dennis, he scored two more goals last night. I saw this that. guy's like eight yeah. foot tall, and he's, he's out there. <laughs> he drives the offense on that team, DB. Uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. I was trying to get out to Arizona because they played ASU to open the season, uh, and my schedule just didn't line up. Uh, you just don't see UMass Lowell coming this far west normally. Um, and uh, Ben Meehan, uh, who is a Kings defensive prospect, he just had his first goal the other night, and so yeah. they're – they're moving right along there. UMass Lowell might be moving up the standings. And then you have Boston, uh, Braden Doyle, who's not somebody that we've talked too much about here on the program. He was uh, at development camp, I believe, uh, uh, over the summer. Uh, Boston is currently not ranked, so we'll see if they can get in there. Who knows? Maybe the Kings will have five teams in wow. the top 20. That would be fantastic. So, Dennis, the reason that this is sort of a setup for everything else here, Brock Faber, uh, he's going to be going to the World Juniors. He's going to be playing for Team USA. The college programs, you know, they take sort of a, a break. They kind of tend to shut down around the holidays, which is nice. Right. So Faber will miss a couple of Minnesota games, but hopefully not too many when you just think about the time. But World Junior Camps are going to be coming up here, Dennis. We're recording this in mid-November. They usually start about the first week of December. So we're about three weeks away from players starting to leave their club. So I mentioned Brock Faber. Uh, also the Kings, because the Kings have a ton of prospects that are going to be at sure. the World Juniors this year, as they have the last couple seasons. You have Brant Clark, who's scheduled to play for Canada, um, and he just keeps racking up the points in the OHL. There's another guy that could potentially play for Team Canada. We're going to talk about that coming up in the third period. That's Quentin Byfield. Uh, for Finland, the big guy, uh, Samuel Hellenius, he's scheduled to be probably on the fourth line. And then you have Simon Tyvel, who will probably be up on the top line. 
Mm-hmm. There are two other guys at least under consideration, Jamson and Markkinen, Markkinen being the goalie, uh, and Jamson. They, those two were cut from the summer evaluation camp, uh, so, so we'll have to see if they get invited back to the camp here. Uh, and Jamson, I believe, uh, last night scored the Michigan goal. Everybody's scoring a Michigan goal right now, Michigan Dennis. Goal. What's yeah, going I on with that? that? I don't know. They didn't even do it in the KHL, John. I, I don't know. It's just uh, people want to get on the highlight reels, I guess. Yeah, did did a did a memo go out? You know, is, is there a pool going on? Whoever scores the Michigan, you know, the it. most. I don't know what's going on, but yes, I I think uh, I think he just scored. So uh, then you have Chromiak as well, who's scheduled to play, uh, and then you have Granz, and I'll get to him in a moment, and then you have mm-hmm. uh, Kursanov, who's going to play for for Russia on the, on right. the uh, he'll either be on the first or second pair defensively. Now Granz is an interesting one. Because the Ontario Reign, who Dennis, we talk about how hot the LA Kings have been. Let, let's give Coach Robo yeah, some yeah. some respect mm-hmm. as well. Sure. The Ontario Reign have been absolutely on fire. They took a 9-0-1. And I had somebody who tweeted me the other day, and they were like, it's technically 9-0-0-1. Like, yeah, okay. Okay. I, I, overtime it. loss, shootout loss. So just come on, dude. He's 9-0-1. Stop let's it. keep it as simple as possible for people. Right. Um, they were 9-0-1. And, and they had the Stockton Heat breathing down their neck. They want, Stockton won eight straight. So the battle at the top yeah. of the AHL Pacific Division was exciting. Uh, and then, I mean, all winning streaks have to come to an end, just like with the LA Kings. Well, the Ontario Reign uh, on Friday night, Dennis, they had a two-game uh, two series this weekend over in Tucson, Friday, Saturday, right. playing back-to-back. And the wheels really fell off of things. Yeah, they did it in style, John. When they broke the streak, they did it in style, for sure. Yes, it, was, it was not an overtime loss uh, like no. the LA Kings. And um, the, the Ontario Rain did not take a, a lead into the third period that they were trying to protect to keep their winning streak going. Um, they collapsed in, in phenomenal style. Uh, yes. The goaltender, Matt Vallalta, could not stop anything to get things started. They put in uh, Garrett Sparks. Things didn't get much better. They ended up getting blown out 8-4. to four. Um, Although... Although, if you just want to look at things on paper, I mean, if you watch the game, you knew that the rain were not in that game. But if you look right. at things on paper, uh, at one point in the second period, I believe it was, Martin Furk scored to pull them within one. You thought, oh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, but I'll tell you this. I, even when they were down by a couple goals in the third period, I still thought there was a possibility because it's the AHL and just, like, weird things you know, happen, no. you know? Yeah. You'll see a team down by three goals with a minute 41 to go, and all of a sudden you're in overtime. It's just uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's weird, weird stuff. But here's where I'm going. I want to talk about uh, the Ontario Reign relative to the World Juniors because Granz is going to be leaving here in a couple of weeks, and he's going to go play mm-hmm. uh, for Team Sweden. Team Sweden. And the problem that that creates for Ontario is that they really right now have six healthy defensemen. Now, they are carrying a seventh defenseman, this kid that came over from Sweden. He's played one professional game here in North America. He played in the ECHL. To put it kindly, he's probably not ready for primetime, Dennis. Got it. Um, but with Walker and Dowdy out and Clegg and Strand up, and here's where fans are going to get confused. They're going to say, well, hold on. On Sunday, the Kings sent Clegg yeah. and Strand down. Yeah, they did, but that's a paper transaction. Paper the track. Kings need six defensemen. They really need seven defensemen because you need an extra healthy body for right. Wednesday. So uh, they don't have the Kings don't have enough healthy defensemen. So Clegg and Strand going down, really that's more of a paper transaction situation. Mm-hmm. At least one of them, Clegg, is going to be coming back up for Wednesday. And because it's a home game, if everybody was healthy, you know, you could go with six and you could risk it. And if something mm-hmm. went wrong in warm-ups, you'd have to go with, you know, five, five defensemen right. in the game. You, you can do that. But ideally, 
you probably want to bring the other guy back, you know, and have seven, especially with the rain being off. So the question, sure. the question about the defense isn't so much an issue right now because you can kind of play those games of moving guys up and moving guys down when the Kings and rain are playing on opposite days. I'm trying to fast forward three weeks, DB. What do you do yeah. when, when Granz leaves for Team Sweden's evaluation camp and then ultimately is gone for the World Juniors? He's going to be gone for about a month from yeah. early December till the end of the tournament. He's going to be gone for about a month. So the Reign are going to need a defenseman or the Kings are going to need a defenseman. And Dowdy's not due back till closer to Christmas. Christmas so yeah. we're talking two or three weeks where it's going to be either a lot of fun or pretty sketchy. Take your pick, DB. Yeah, yeah, and and that's assuming everybody stays healthy, John. Like one injury, and you're like, right? hey, come on, don't don't not no, a big time. Not, 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 don't be not, jinxing not, everybody right now. Come on, I'm not jinxing, but I'm just saying you got to stay healthy for those yes. that stretch, or else you're really up against it. And and I agree, you you don't want to go into a game an NHL game with just six. You got to go with seven. So right. I assume that's it. But yeah, it could be a situation where it could be sketchy here. But uh, you hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely. So so that's coming up. Uh, the Kings will be sending quite a few prospects to those to those various evaluation camps, uh, and, it, and it certainly will be interesting. Now, on the Ontario Reign, the other thing to sort of keep in mind here, DB, is that uh, TJ Tynan went out on the road with mm-hmm. the LA Kings because, yep. you know, you, you, you can play with 12 or even 13, quote-unquote, healthy bodies when you're at home, but when you go out on a road trip, you yeah. typically want to take the max number. You want to take 23 bodies with you just for extra protection. So it's something to keep an eye on as, as the season moves along if the kings continue to make these sort of paper transactions people will get overly excited and unnecessarily excited when certain guys get called up like tj tining was not scheduled to play on the road trip he wasn't going in he was just a he was an extra healthy body he was getting some nhl pay so good for him but he was not scheduled to play on the roadie they were just taking an extra body with them especially with leas anderson banged up so in the unfortunate event dennis if you Nancy Kerrigan, uh, you know, Carl Grundstrom's <laughs> knee or something at the hotel, Tynan might have needed to go in. <laughs> By the way, did you see that, Dennis, that Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding, they're back in the news because yes. I, don't, I don't know the full details, but some soccer player. Yeah, was, some soccer. Yeah. What is going on in the world? Down. What is going wrong with people? A lot. A lot's going wrong with people, John. That's the, that's the short answer. <laughs> you know, when you wake up in the morning and you see on the Twitter feed that, uh, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan are trending. You know, your brain quickly yeah. goes, wait a minute, is this the anniversary? No, it's not the anniversary. <laughs> well, then why are they back in the news? What is going on? <laughs> Things you don't expect to hear back in the news. I guess no. just like John Slaney. Nobody woke up this morning expecting to hear John <laughs> Slaney um, back in the news. So, yeah, Dennis, you can do that sort of thing. So TJ Tynan's going to go back down. The point that I wanted mm-hmm. to make would kind of be a couple of things. Um, on the Ontario Reign, for those that are not watching the games, first of all, if you're an L.A. Kings season ticket holder, you can get the AHL TV streams for free. Yeah, so figure fun. out how to do that with your season ticket rep. So that's pretty cool. And if you're not a season ticket member, it's really not that expensive to buy the AHL TV package. So mm-hmm. I would encourage you to do it. Uh, and you can watch the games, uh, home and road games, which is pretty cool. So with Tynan who has been the number one center. So he was the reigning AHL MVP. He was a mm-hmm. big add to this Ontario Reign roster yes. during the summer and probably went unnoticed by some hockey fans because they tend to focus on the Kings. But that was a big ad right. for the Ontario Reign because one of the, the challenges last year for Robo and that, that Reign group was that overwhelmingly over half the kids, like that was a really young team, not just young, but mm-hmm. first-year pros. And they brought yes. in guys like DSP to try to add some veteran leadership. It didn't really do much, uh, especially offensively speaking. He didn't really show up, you know, and Brett Sutter's trying to do what he can do, but he's, you know, he's getting limited minutes playing there on the fourth line. So to sure. get the reigning AHL MVP 
in TJ Tynan was a big ad for Robo in the Ontario Reign. You know, Rich Seeley as the GM. And uh, he was playing top-line minutes. Turcotte had been the second-line center. And uh, Anderson Dolan was the third-line center. And that's kind of how they had the lineup set up. Just a little bit of moving around of some of the wingers. But when, when Tynan was called up, Turcotte was then thrust into the to the one seat, which was good for Turk. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was sure. producing. Yep. Uh, he yep. had several goals here of late. And uh, now with Tynan going back down, you would expect that Turk will probably slide back to the 2C. But who knows? Maybe Robo liked him in the 1C, and sure. maybe Tynan will become the 2C. Not getting a lot of offensive production below that sort of top six, uh, or they had not been. Anderson Dolan was centering a line any given night. Could have been the second line, could have been the third line, with Sammy Fagamo on his right side. And uh, he had gotten off to a really slow start. I mentioned it in the uh, lineup that we posted on Ontario Rain or on Mayor's Manor, Dennis, uh, the other night. And then Fagamo went out and scored a hat trick last hat night. Trick. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe that'll get him going a little bit offensively. Wagner, I believe, uh, plays the left side of that that line, you know, creates some speed. And then uh, Fagamo as, as the closer. Adam Johnson is the guy that they really need to get going. And I won't spend too much time on him because he's not a Kings prospect. He's an AHL player. But he came in, sort of signed mid-year last year out of the middle of nowhere. He uh, had been in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, but produced some offense put some points up last year has just been a very, very slow start this season for Johnson. And uh, they even benched him for a game in Abbotsford recently. That didn't really seem to get him going. And he was promoted to the top line last night. I don't know if you want to call it a last ditch effort to get him going, but mm-hmm. you certainly need to see more from, from him. So Robo has his work cut out for him. Uh, he was probably feeling pretty good about himself with that extended winning streak. What I will say is this final comments here on the Ontario ring, Dennis, they crushed it. You talk about a rebound coming off of a loss, right? So they won all those games. They're 9-0-1. They're in first place in the Pacific Division. They're feeling really good about themselves, and they're playing great hockey, and they were beating up some teams. It wasn't like they were squeaking mm-hmm. out one game or one goal winners. I mean, they were, they were right. really beating up on people during that winning streak. And then, you know, they had it handed to them on Friday night. I think the final score was 8-4 to by Tucson. How did the team respond? They came back out, scored some early goals, controlled the, the game, and uh, really took it to them on Saturday. Got right back on the horse, ended up winning the game. Uh, our friend Earl Skakel was probably excited because Boko went Boko yes. in the uh, final minutes of the third period. I saw that. Threw a late hit after the whistle. Uh, Garrett Sparks jumps in. I, it's Seriously, the last five minutes of that game were pure insanity. And if you have AHL TV or have access to it, just watch the last five minutes. It's a game within itself. Um, it was nuts. It was what minor league hockey is all about. It was just right. insanity. Uh, but hey, good for good for Robo, good for the Ontario Reign, good for Fagamo to get his hat trick. Um, you know, Aiden Dudas, man, that dude just takes a licking and keep on keeps on ticking. He was hit hard. I thought he was out of the game. I, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I was texting with PR. I thought he was out of the game on Friday night, and then lo and behold, he came he came back and played the third period, and then um, they moved him from wing to center. Uh, on as they moved Johnson over to that top line, as I mentioned earlier, they moved Aiden Dudas into the center role in the third line. Uh, last night. So the rain are rolling. They do have a week off coming up, uh, but then they will be uh, at home. So look into that. I believe they play Sunday, Monday or something like that coming up. Maybe it's a Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday, but the game to circle on your calendars and get out to Dennis, December 18th, the rain and the road runners, the rematch, mm-hmm. of what went down this weekend in Tucson. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Brad Doty, uh, his name is not really Brad Doty. It's Jacob Doty. But anyway, I'm sure that Brad Doty and the rest of the Ontario Reign have that game circled on their calendar, DB. You might have to get out to Ontario. That that seems like a pretty big tilt. Like, normally I'd be arguing for Reign goals, but 
man, after last night, uh, might need to see Rain Roadrunners days. Mm. You can see him, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's I, a Saturday, I think. I don't I'm not sure Saturdays. I mean, there's less traffic on the 60 on Saturday, John. Okay. So maybe You're the odds come the down. Why would you be on the 60? The the arena's oh, off the, the 10? 10 freeway. Oh, it is off the 10. Yes, okay, it's off the 10. Because people told me it was just, I used to say traffic on, oh, because Irwindale's at, by the 60. No, Irwindale is off the 210. My, dude, I'm going to get oh, you a Thomas guide. Forget a GPS. I'm Thomas, Thomas guide. Thomas wow, guide. you're going old school. <laughs> yes, when Thomas when does Hanukkah start? Uh, when When is the first day of gifts? I'm getting you a Hanukkah I, gift. I, it's going to be a Thomas guide. I know. Thomas got it. Oh, wow. You're going old school. Here. I'm going to highlight it. the way that you would get the, 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 the route that you would take from Encino like to triple A trip takes. Remember that triple A had the folding over <laughs> you drive across country. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Dennis. Don't need ways. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> from your house, you would take the 134 east to the 210 okay. east. You would come okay. down the 57, hop on the 10. Okay. You're on the 57. Okay. They're only for like two miles. Hop on the 10 okay. east right by Raging Waters. And then you would go. Yeah. Uh, 10 east for about 15 miles, and you would get mm-hmm. off at Haven, which is easy to remember mm-hmm. because it's like Hoven, so you won't get lost. <laughs> okay? That's, Another place I know nothing about, Raging Waters, but yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I've lived in Southern California my whole life. I've never been to Raging Waters, so okay, and it's smart, literally 10 minutes move. from my house, so never been there. I don't know. I'm not a water park guy. Dennis, no, okay. <laughs> I am a third period guy. Let's go. Yes. Let's, let's wrap up the second period. Get out of here. We have so much to talk about in the third period. Victor Arvidsson is coming back. Gabe Velarde is coming back. Mm-hmm. Leas Anderson is coming back. Someone's going to end up on waivers. Someone's going to end up traded. Someone's going to end up getting sent to the American mm-hmm. League. So much to talk about. Plus, Byfield uh, is is getting healthy. So, Dennis, go to the break. Yes. Let's come back in the third period and figure out the LA Kings lineup. Let's do it, Jay. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Kings of the Podcast, third period. Dennis Bernstein, you still I'm with still me? I'm still with you. I don't have my Thomas guide yet, but I'm still with you, John. Well, it's not Hanukkah okay. yet. Relax. I'm going to get it to okay. you. Don't worry about that. Uh, look, here in the third period, we have so much to talk yeah. about. The Kings are going to be uh, practicing here for the next couple of days. And then Wednesday night, first of all, Wednesday night is exciting in and of itself, Dennis. I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day here, but... Uh, uh, breaking yes. news. Uh, first of all, I already broke the mm-hmm. news about the new Kings jersey. alternate jersey, which is fashioned after, you know, the uh, early 90s L.A. Kings jersey. Uh, that was that was uh, right before the season started. But we had some other breaking news. Uh, the bird has landed. The yes. jerseys are here. I know there's, you know, supply chain is a wreck. And if you've <laughs> spent any time watching the news or looking at all the boats out there on the uh, on the water. There probably were some people that were a little bit nervous, but I have confirmed the jerseys are here and uh, ordering has begun or will begin on the 17th. This Wednesday is a big, big night, not only because of the jerseys, Dennis, uh, that can be ordered, but the Kings are going to wear them for the first time, which is super cool. Can't wait to see those. Very curious about this this larger 
uh, crest that they're going to be wearing. And uh, I want to see how nice that's going to look along with the full the full kit, which we uh, which we mentioned on Mayor's Manor back when we uh, wrote that article, whenever that was early September, I think it was. And then Kelly Cheeseman came on and told us a little bit more about it on a recent episode of the podcast. Uh, and then, of course, the chrome helmets. Yeah. There's so much going on. And then who are they facing, Dennis? They're playing the Washington Capitals. And you have Alexander Ovechkin coming to town, which anytime Ovi's in town, that's a big deal. But Ovi right now is trying to chase down Gretzky, yeah. right, which is a big deal. So Wednesday's game is just awesome enough going into it on paper. And then you're going to have all this stuff we're going to talk about as well. Uh, Dennis, why don't we do this? From a roster perspective, sure. uh, Leah Anderson, who was injured earlier in the year and then uh, came back, played a couple games. He re-aggravated the injury. Uh, if if absolutely needed, from what I understand, he could have uh, worked his way into the lineup probably in Winnipeg, but they didn't need him. They wanted to kind of keep the same lineup together that they had been winning with, give Anderson a couple more days. He's expected back on Wednesday. So that's at least one change that's going to happen within the lineup. And any time that you add a player or take a player or players out of the lineup, you have to wonder how that's going to mess things up, right? Does it mess up chemistry? Does it mess up ice time, distribution of minutes? It's not just Lee Anderson, though. Over the last couple of days, and I tweeted this out uh, late last week, Gabe Velarde and Victor Arvidsson, they're skating, and they're expected to rejoin yeah. the Kings on Monday for practice. You have to assume, you know, get a couple practices under your belt. You have to assume that Todd wants to get them back into the lineup. So that could potentially be three players. So let's figure out how this works first from a roster okay. perspective. With Tynan going down, because those two players, Arvidsson and Velarde, with those two players in protocol, uh, they were not on the roster. Correct. So with Tynan going down, that opens up one spot. So let's just assume that Victor Arvidsson takes that spot. And we'll figure out where he goes on what line and who he plays with in just a minute, sure. Dennis. I'm really curious for your take on this because I have some thoughts. But then we also have to get to Gabe Velarde. So to get Gabe Velarde onto the roster right, of 23 players, the Kings would have a couple of options available to them. They could send uh, one of two players. They could send either Grunstrom Mm -hmm. uh, or Lazat to waivers, and another team would have access to him, and if they didn't get him, they would go to the American League. But who knows? Somebody might claim Grunstrom. Somebody might claim Lazat. You could also, you have two other players. You have Kapari and Kaliev, Mm -hmm. or Blake does, has Kapari and Kaliev that are waiver-exempt, he could send either of those two players down to the American League to open up a spot for Gabe Velarde. If you don't like those four choices, Dennis, the other choice is to send Gabe Velarde down to the American League because, believe it or not, Gabe is still waiver-exempt right. right now. And before I get your take on it, I just want to tell you kind of what I've... Um, in talking to a number of different people, here's sort of what I think the scenario is. I think that most people in management would largely agree that an AHL stint for Gabe Velarde right now might make some sense. It might make some sense for two reasons, among others. One reason being, hey, dude hasn't played in a while, right? Yeah. He's been in COVID protocol. Uh, just getting a little, you know, conditioning stint down there it wouldn't wouldn't hurt. Uh, and then the second thing has been that, you know, for as good as he looked in the preseason. Gabe hasn't really or didn't really have a great start to the regular season, and he hasn't shown shown well. I guess you could say a third reason would be just because the roster is so compacted right now. You know, uh, Do you want to make one of those four choices? Do you want to send Kaliev or Kapari down? Do you want to put Grunstrom or Lazat? It almost becomes easier just to go, hey, you know, mm-hmm. Gabe, why don't you go down to the American League you know, for a week or two? Give us some time to sort this thing out. However, here's the elephant in the room, Dennis. 
and I don't think anybody's going to go on the record and say this, but certainly get the feeling in talking to people that they share my concern, and that is, what is that going to do to Gabe Velarde mentally? Here's a guy who's been through a lot over the last couple of years, and you know, at times last year, you could see him wearing the, the weight of the world on his shoulders and the way that he was being used. His trade value is at an all-time low, even if you think that Gabe Velarde is not long for the L.A. Kings, Absolutely. right? Even if you look at the roster with guys coming in and you're like, okay, we'll just trade Velarde. I've okay. seen fans say that. What are you going to get right now for Gabe Velarde? The, the, there's no trade value in a Gabe Velarde right now, or minimal to none. So is sending him to the American League the best thing or the worst thing and can you do it without ruining the player's confidence and then having to take the rest of the season? Like, are you basically killing the season for Gabe Velarde if you send him to the American League? Dennis, where do well, you stand well, on John, this? But his, and you can address this with Quentin Byfield. If Q comes in and produces, Gabe Velarde's a fourth-line center. Is he really a fourth-line center? Or wing. Or wing, yeah, or wing. I guess wing. Uh, look, here's the thing, though. Like, there's an old adage that a player doesn't lose his spot due to injury or I assume with COVID, same thing. But remember, Gabe was a healthy scratch before COVID, and he was going to be a healthy scratch after if he didn't contract positive, he didn't go to COVID protocol. I, I think, you you know, if you, he's still young, John. you got to let him play. If he comes back on a roster, he's a healthy scratch. So what's that going to – like, is that any worse for his confidence than playing, you know, on top line in Ontario? as a winger. So to me, he's only played 13 minutes a night, John. So to me, I, I think it's it's a lot less about Gabe Velarde now and a lot more about the organization. If it's the best thing for the organization to put him in the AHL, then you do it. You don't really concern yourself about the, the, the player. And the player just has to toughen up. If, if it really destroys his confidence to go back and do one more stint in the AHL, then, you know, maybe you don't want him in the organization at this point in time. So I get it. I understand it. I, and here's the problem, John. You see the flashes. Like, you see two shifts a game where, yep, there's that guy you drafted 11th overall that you thought you got a bargain at 11, but he plays 13 minutes a night, and two shifts doesn't equal 13 minutes. So I think it's it's less of a dilemma, John, because the other kids are playing well. Like, Kupari's acquitting himself well. I don't think he's ever going to be a big-time scorer like Gabe could be, but he's, he's fitting in. So, And I know Todd. Todd's stubborn. Like, if they keep winning – He's not changing the lineup, John. That's the one thing about Todd is consistent. Mm-hmm. He does not change the lineup. So I, I, I don't know what you do. I, I don't think it helps his confidence to put him back on. Just to put him on the roster, to have him on the roster, mm-hmm. does him a disservice as well. I think if you want him playing. And if it's the AHL, that's fine. If he comes down, if he goes down and blows up, that's going to help his confidence. If he puts up big numbers, then you, you, you recall him at some point in time. But like in the big picture, John, if you assume Quentin Byfield is the real deal this season, like so now you're talking about Gabe as a bottom six right winger? Okay, maybe. So it, it's it's a dilemma, but I'm less concerned now seeing how the other kids have emerged than just to focus on Gabe Velarde at this point in time. I, I think it's too big of a stop spotlight because there are other guys that we can talk about and other guys that will help this team win. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just sort of to parse out some of those comments there, DB. I think the thing for Gabe really is you don't want Gabe Velarde to be your 4C. Right. But even if he's playing great, you don't want Gabe Velarde. He is the most talented among all the LA Kings prospects. Nobody has more talent than Gabe Velarde. And that's the, that's the dilemma. Mm-hmm. That's the problem is how do you, how do you tap into right. that, to that skill and to that talent? And to to get it to produce offensively because you didn't draft him where you did and you didn't 
you know, daydream about him being your fourth line center. Right. Hell, you didn't even dream about him being your third line right. center. Um, and so a move to wing would only at this point at best get him onto the third line as a winger, but you need him to produce. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, that's why I think as tough as it's going to be to make this decision, I think that the decision this week, I'm guessing, I'm assuming it's going to be to move Gabe Velarde. It's, it's easier to move Gabe Velarde to Ontario. When I say move him, I mean move him to yeah. Ontario. It's going to be easier to move Gabe to Ontario right now um, than it would be. Like Grunstrom, you know, he just, you know, he scored a goal. He had a pretty good road trip. Um, he gives you a physical mm-hmm. element beyond Lemieux, and this team is a little bit soft in that area and needs physicality. Yep. So Grunstrom gives you that. Uh, so I kind of take him off the table. To, for me, if I'm making the decision, um, Kapari is going to stay up in the NHL. Uh, and so what does that mean? That leaves no Lazat or Kaliev. Yeah. Could you make the argument to move Kaliev down to Ontario and get him some more minutes? I, I could I could see yeah. that because, again, it's just like Gabe Velarde. Kaliev's not a fourth-line player, so I don't like Kaliev on the fourth line. He's at least getting power play time, so that's that's good. Um, and when it comes to Blake Lazat, it, it's split right down the middle. I, half the fans out there can't wait for Blake Lazat to go on waivers mm-hmm. to create a spot. And the other half think that he's the best forechecking player on the on the team. So um, there's not a consensus when it comes to Blake Lazat. But those would be the other two moves in order to get yeah. Gabe Velarde. And I just think, as well, to your point, as well as this team has been playing right now, the the best move, the best of all bad decisions, because none of these are yeah. easy, would be to send Gabe Velarde down. And Dennis, I agree, getting him top line minutes. Forget fourth line role in the NHL. Forget being healthy, scratched every other game. Hell, forget even third-line winger minutes right now. Get Gabe Velarde down to the American League. Get him playing top six minutes. Get him producing. Get him back on track. Get his confidence up. Get him excited. And then find a way to work him in as a top six winger into Los Angeles. Maybe you bring him in as a third-line winger for a couple of games. He gets going, and then you move him into a top six role. I think that's the best course for Gabe Velarde right now. Obviously, Rob Blake is going to have the final decision. We'll see what happens here over the uh, the next 48 hours. Okay, you mentioned Byfield. Uh, let's touch on him real quickly, and then we'll get back to Victor Ardvidsson, because with Ardvidsson and Anderson, even if Velarde goes to the uh, American League, you still have two players that are going to be going back into the lineup, and Anderson and Ardvidsson, and I'd like to talk with you about your thoughts about where to put mm-hmm. them. You mentioned Byfield, though. So real quickly, here's the thing on Byfield TV. Rather interesting um, sort of data points that I was able to gather over the weekend in talking to people. So... I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the year or maybe in a tweet over the summer. The original plan was for Byfield not to go to the World Juniors. Um, he's been there. He's right. done that. He turned the page. He's an NHL player at this point. Uh, and the plan was for him to either be in the American League, uh, you know, playing big minutes as the number one center down there because of these roster crunches that we were just talking about, and or to be on the NHL roster. And in camp, it looked like he was more likely going to be on the NHL roster. Here's the thing, though, Dennis. Everything is sort of lining up perfectly. Byfield is expected yeah. to be back in mid to late December. Yeah. He's back training. He's back working. And the target date right now is mid to late December to start playing again. The Canadian World Junior Camp is going to be coming up here around roughly the 10th of December. The camp, the evaluation camp. Yes. And then they will make a decision uh, of which players they're going to take to go to the actual tournament that starts on the 26th. You could do a number of different things with Byfield. You could, when he's available and ready to play, you could send him to the AHL. You could give him a conditioning assignment, and then when he's ready, you could bring him up to the NHL. The problem is you're not going to have enough time. Given the current current uh, schedule, Byfield is not on track to be ready to have an AHL stint prior to Team Canada's right, evaluation right. camp. It's just too tight of a yeah. window. 
So from what I understand, the plan is to have a talk with QB, sort of figure out what his intentions are. What would he like? Is, you know, he came into the year thinking that World Juniors was not an option. So even though Canada put him on the list for the summer evaluation sure. camp and he didn't attend, um, you know, has his mind changed? Would he be willing to do that? Would he, you could almost view it as a conditioning assignment, as crazy as that sounds. It's yeah. like, dude, do you want to go to the American League for two, three weeks, or do you want to go hang out with Team sure. Canada and go to the World Juniors? But here's the other thing, TB. Even if the Kings and QB and Canada, even if they decide to let him go to the evaluation camp in early December, that's no guarantee that he's going to make the team. Right. Because, Dennis, you're talking about the greatest tournament, the most pressure-packed tournament. Oh, and by the way, Canada is playing the tournament this year in yes. Canada, yes. Dennis. Right. So, <laughs> you know... You're the coach. You're the GM of Team right. Canada. You, you know, you salivate at looking at Quentin Byfield, you know, right? He's just this big monster, yeah. uh, and you want him on your team, but then you get snapped back into reality and go, yeah, this dude's coming back from a He's pretty injured, serious yeah. injury, though, and hasn't played hockey for a couple yeah. of months. Do we want him on Team Canada, or, you know, do you want to reward the players that have, you know, been playing and have been working so hard here over the last uh, six yeah. months? It's a very curious situation. But what I found most interesting, Dennis, is that in these conversations with people that I was having over the weekend in Kings management, it's on the table. And that's the point that I'm trying to get across here, yeah. Dennis. It's on the table. It wasn't on the yeah. table three months right. ago, but it's on the table right now. And I think I would almost be worried if Byfield did go to the evaluation camp and then ended up getting cut from the team. <laughs> like, right. I would understand why he yeah, was yeah. cut from the team. It's like, dude, he's not ready. He's, you know, he hasn't played. But to see him get cut from the team, uh, would of course create, I believe, probably a few tweets in uh, in Los Angeles. Yeah, what do you well, think, Dennis? I, I have a quick uh, QB anecdote for you, John. You'll like this type of kid. Sure. Is. So he's been around the team, right? And he's got the boot on still for his broken ankle. So um, we were getting on the uh, media elevator after during one of the games, and the elevator operator is this young woman, and she goes to QB. She goes, she sees the boot. She goes, "What happened to your ankle?" He goes, "I broke it." And she goes, "Did you cry?" And he chuckled. He goes, no, no, I didn't cry. So and I started laughing. I started laughing out loud. And that was fantastic. <laughs> but he's been around the team and he's been, you know, I've talked to him just a little bit when you see him around the, the press box and stuff like that. But I, I agree with you. John, I, I, I agree with you. I think everybody thought he'd be with the team. He made the team out of, out of training camp. But I think the best move would absolutely, and I agree, the caveat is, will he make the team? Because he's been off his, off his skates for, you know, several weeks, right? So, but I think that would be great for him to go to, to World Juniors as opposed to playing in the AHL because it's, he's playing more with his contemporaries, right? So I, I think, and, yes. and and remember, he didn't have, to, he, he scored a lot of points in that one game because they played at some some BS team. But I think if he went and succeeded as one of the leaders, I think that would be a home run for him. But I, I agree, if like, if he goes and they say, hey, you're not ready, you're too rusty, then what happens? But right. I, I, I like that move, to be honest with you. I think that would be great for him, another yeah. great experience for him. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, I think even if he doesn't make the team, you send him to the American League then at that point, let him do his conditioning assignment, you know, his conditioning stint. Yeah. But to first get back on the skates and to get going, to be around Team Canada, which is a group that he's, you know, played with and played for uh, previously, so he has to feel comfortable in that group. And to be with, you know, uh, kids of his age and that sort of thing, I think it would be, it'd be pretty awesome. So there's going to be some Byfield news coming. That's basically where I'm going with sure. all of this, Dennis, uh, here over the next couple of weeks. And Byfield, Team Canada, World Juniors, it's at least on the table. So there's yeah. that. All right, back to the lineup, Dennis. So uh, for the game in Winnipeg, the Kings lined up with Kempe as the top line left wing playing alongside Kopitar and Brown. 
Uh, second line, they had Ayafalo with Deneau and Double A. Third line, you had Grunstrom, Kapari, and Moore. And the fourth line, you had Lemieux, Lazat, and Kaliev. Uh, do you want to start with Leas Anderson, or you, do you want to start with Victor Arvidsson? Uh, I would start with Arvidsson. Okay, so the question for Victor Arvidsson, I think, is a very simple one. It's very straightforward. Do you put Victor Arvidsson back on the top line playing alongside Kopitar, or do you put Victor Arvidsson on the second line playing with Ayafalo and Deneau? Which which camp do you want to be in? Um, I'll say this. Uh, our friend number 23 has got to start scoring goals. Okay, well, hold on. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Yes, you're, you're jumping ahead. Oh, jumping, you're reading okay, ahead. I'm reading ahead. Okay, if you're, yes. saying, yes. if you're saying Arvidsson for Kempe? I'm, no, what I'm no. I'm not saying anything okay. yet. What I'm saying is, do, go ahead. <laughs> you're you're good, Dennis. You're really good. I'm asking you, do you want to put Ardvidson on the top line with Kopitar? Then we'll worry about filling in another winger. Do you want to put him on the top line with Kopitar, or do you want to put him on the second line with Ayafalo and Dino? I the top line. Okay. Uh, I don't think that there's an easy answer to there this question, not. and I've gone Agreed. back and forth at least 47 times, and here, here's why. I'll, I'll make the case for both sides. I like the idea of putting him back onto the top line um, because other than that one goal that Kopitar scored, uh, while Arvidsson has been gone, that line, which was yeah. carrying the team, the top line, the Kopitar line, was carrying the team in the early part of the year, that line is gone curiously somewhat silent and they have not been producing the mm-hmm. points that they were early in the year so you kind of wonder hmm, you know yeah. with with Arvidsson gone is a little bit of the magic from that line gone however playing the other side of it I actually thought that Arvidsson and I tweeted this several times was really pressing especially mm-hmm. right there towards yeah, the end before right. he ended up going out on COVID you could just see it he's gripping the stick hard and he was just nothing was going in for him he was snake bitten and so as well as he might have been playing and as much as he might have been contributing to the overall success of that line for Ardvidsson himself, who is on the record as stating that he really thinks this needs to be and will be a bounce back season for him to, uh, to his previous mm-hmm. form. You, you kind of think, well, maybe just drop him down to the second line a little bit. Let him take some of the pressure off. And wow, how awesome would it be also, <clears throat> you know, you have um, Aya Follow and Dano that are handling things defensively. Just look at the underlying analytics yeah. there and give him a oh, clear yeah. sniper in Ardvidsson. Might really work. That could be a pretty exciting second line. So I think that uh, I think it's a coin flip. Again, Rob Blake has some tough decisions. Todd McClellan, in this case, has some tough decisions too. But let's go with your. Let's go with your. Uh, well, here, here's one of the reasons. Uh, he's oh, go ahead. The sec, like we forgot because he hadn't been around for so long. The dimension that AA brings, right? He's got five mm-hmm. five points in five games. One goal, you know, a highlight reel goal in Toronto. There's a lot of speed on that line, John. And I agree, you can't break up Ayafalo and Dano right now. It's working his chemistry. But AA brings that dimension right. that Arvidsson wouldn't. Arvidsson's not the, he's not the skater that AA is. And, and I just basically, to my detriment, I forgot about how quick this guy is. So they, I, I, that's mm-hmm. a speedy line. So that's why I'd, I'd prefer the top line. But go ahead. Okay, so let's go with that then. So, uh, because th- this is all a trickle down yes, effect of questions. So, Arvidsson back to the top line with Kopitar. Who do you have as the other winger with Arvidsson and Kopitar? Do you have Brown still there, or do you have Kempe there? Uh, for now, I-, I have Brown there, but Dustin's got to like respond here on this homestand. 
Um, I'd have no problem dropping Kempe down to the third line to play with Kapari and moving Grunstrom further down the line. That That's what I would do at this point in time. But it's, you know, two goals in 15 games for Dustin, that's not going to keep you on the, the, the top line too much longer. So he's got to start producing. But for now, in the short term, at least the beginning of the homestand, I, I would have Kempe coming down the line. Okay, so you want to return the lineup to or the line, yeah, the Copatoria, as it was yes, previously. Correct. Valid argument. I could go along with that. Uh, I would probably lean more the other way, and I would move Brown down to the mm-hmm. third line. I'd go with Kempe, Kopitar, and Arvi, uh, and then I would have Ayafalo, Dino, and Double A probably there on the second line. Um, you That would put Brown down on the third line in my lineup, but that would have Kempe on the third line in your lineup. So the third line then for you becomes who? It becomes Kempe, Kapari, and... Trevor Moore. And Trevor yeah. Moore. Okay. Uh, for me, I probably would go uh, with Brown, Kapari. Um, I might I might actually go Kaliev on that line, too, um, just to get him out of that fourth-line mm-hmm. role. I, I would drop Moore down to the fourth line uh, and, and or mm-hmm. Grunstrom. But the Grunstrom-Kapari thing is interesting. You know, it, it, it's funny. We talk about it a lot, that European players and how they tend to perform well with European mm-hmm. players – for whatever reason, Grunstrom and Kapari do seem to play well. Yeah, I just not, it's it's just not an odd. I mean, Kapari's got two goals in 14 games. He, he's it, – it, look, he, all the other facets of his game, I like his speed. He's bounced back for the injury. He's a good four-checker. It's just – to me, it's just I don't see enough offense on there. That's why I need an offensive player. And Grunstrom, he has a nice short side goal he scored the other night, but I need more from those players. I need another – I need another scoring presence on that line, to be honest with you. And I, I'm not sure, is it Moore? And Moore's had a tough go, John. Remember, like, we thought that maybe this is a 15-goal score. He's got one goal in 15 games, so he's got to stand up too. So it's it, – the, the thing is, John, like, there's nothing – there's no lock in all these decisions that we've talked about. There's absolutely – oh, this is a no-brainer. This is like you have to give mm-hmm. thought to it and, like, what's going to work here because there's there's more options than you would think that, that the team would normally have. All right, so then riding into the rescue is Leas Anderson <laughs> yes. because what I think should we should do or the Kings should do, you should do, somebody should have this conversation <laughs> with Todd. Uh, Leas Anderson, along with Kapari and Brown, uh, as I was suggesting, on the third line, and fine, if you want it to mm-hmm. be Kempe, Kapari, and Anderson, I mean, Kempe, Kapari, Anderson, that line would be insane. Uh, and I think you need to drop Grunstrom and Moore down to the mm-hmm. fourth line. I could see and that. And that would yeah. be... Uh, you could play Trevor Moore at center, or you could play him at wing. Depends if you want Lazat in the lineup. Uh, and maybe, maybe Kaliev doesn't need to play every game. Maybe, maybe right now, maybe he needs to yeah. play, you know, two out of every three games. Maybe yeah. Grunstrom needs to play one out of every three I'll tell or four you why, games. John. I'll tell you why you're right about that. Number 48. He's an effective player. Like, they need him. You know what, Dennis? John, they need him in the lineup. Coming into yeah, the Coming into the season, I didn't even have him in the top 12, but I, I, I will absolutely and wholeheartedly admit yep. that uh, he has earned his spot in the lineup on a nightly basis. And so until further notice, the only player that I'm willing to write in as a lock on the fourth <laughs> line is number 48. Yeah. And you can you can rack that comment, yeah. Dennis, because you can play it back as often as you want because it certainly doesn't tie back to my comments <laughs> over the summer about 48. So, hey, man, kudos to absolutely. him. He, uh, for a guy who looked like a fish out of water last year and did not fit in with the L.A. Kings, Whatever adjustments he made over the summer, uh, whether it's mentally or, you know, to his yep. game, uh, He's he done has it. come in and absolutely 100% earned his spot on that fourth line. And uh, you can 
Not even pencil. You can pen yeah. him in there every night going forward. Agreed. He, he's a typical – look, 10 minutes a night, two goals, plus four. He's done the job, John. He really has. Like, when you're out there, you see his effect out there. And the toughness aside, it's just he's been an effective player. It's not just, oh, he's you know, he's throwing up things after the whistle. He's been an effective hockey player for this team on the fourth line. And that's a typical fourth line that you have. He's not going to play big-time minutes. He's not going to be a big-time scorer. But just – and I agree with you. I think out of the blue, to be honest with you, because I had him okay – 13th, 14th forward, maybe waivers, whatever. Not an effective fourth-line player, but he's done the job. You know, one of the other options there on the third line, Dennis, is that you can move Kempe to center, although it's not what I would do. You could drop Kapari down to the fourth line as a center if you wanted to. Now, that would Mm -hmm. uh, probably scratch Lazat, but you'd have to have more play third-line center. Um, Leas Anderson can play center as well in the third line, but I think that they've gone as far as they can with – with the idea of Kempe as a center, I think that he's a winger, and I think that Leas Anderson is a winger. I know that mm-hmm. was the plan coming into the year. They really wanted to use him exclusively as a winger. So that kind of gets Kapari to that third-line center role by default, yeah. again, if they think that Velarde's not ready. Now, if Velarde ends up staying on the NHL roster, which is not something that you and I were pushing for earlier in the show, but if Velarde is on the roster, it makes this whole conversation even that much more yes. complicated. Because Agreed. if Arvidsson goes back to the top line... That means either Kempe or Brown comes down to the third line. For argument's sake, we'll just say it's Kempe. Um, if Kempe's on the third line, Leas Anderson is on the third line. And if Velarde's there, and he's potentially on the third line as the center, maybe you move him to the fourth line center, I don't know. But it just makes that whole bottom six conversation uh, that much more complicated. So a lot of tough decisions here over the next 48 hours some, among the forwards. But I would say if you're Coach Todd McClellan, it's exciting because some of the depth of totally. the team is coming back, getting Arvidsson back, getting Anderson back, potentially getting Velarde back. Uh, those are all good signs, positive signs as you look ahead to this long home Yeah, season. you're getting back, what, a top-line winger, if you assume Arvidsson, a middle six winger in, in Arvidsson, I, a guy that you, is an X-factor in, in Velarde. It, it's it's really good to have those options, Sean, because, you know, the team needs more offense. You can't get away with winning all these close games and think they're going to do it consistently. So they're going to need – the one concern I have, John, is that, like, you know, the the one theory that Phil Deneau coming here is going to reduce Kopitar's minutes. Kopitar's playing more this season than last season. So to me, when you look at that when, – when you talk about the 3C and the 4C, they're not playing a lot of minutes, Sean. Kapari's playing 12 minutes a night and Lazat's playing 11 minutes a night. So you'd, I think what Todd would like to do – is graduate those, at least for Kapari. Like, third-line centers shouldn't be playing 12 minutes. They should be playing 14, 15. If you could do that, you could pair Kopi maybe down to under 20 minutes a night, maybe boost up Phil a little bit. So, to me, that that's what I'm looking at. But, yeah, it's it's options, John. I think that game seven, we didn't think they would have. But it, these are good decisions because the players that we're talking about have been effective. Maybe not the greatest goal scorers in the mm-hmm. world, but they've been effective players, and they've been part of a winning formula so far. Yeah, for sure. If Grunstrom and Lazat, if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have said that the decision when it comes down to those four that we mentioned earlier, Kaliev, Kapari, Grunstrom, Lazat, I would have said, oh, well, one of those two guys, Grunstrom or Lazat, are going to be going sure. on waivers. And now coming back from the road trip, you have to kind of pause right. and at least discuss it because Grunstrom and Lazat have been playing well enough to change the conversation. It might not change the outcome, sure. but at least change the Agreed. conversation. Uh, I, I did see your tweet, though, about the Kopitar thing, and I just want to add to that, and then we'll hit the defense, and then we'll move out of here and close out the show. Uh, while it hasn't necessarily changed Kopitar's total minutes, total time on ice, I think it has changed the mix of his minutes because Phil is doing uh, more of the defensive sort of side of things. And so it does freshen Kopitar up. Although the total minutes haven't 
uh, come down much. Like you said, they've actually even gone up a couple. But uh, the 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 offensive opportunities, offensive mm-hmm. minutes for Kopitar, yeah. that's where I think the biggest change has come with Dano coming into the lineup. Yeah, and Dano, look as advertised, John. Right, you know, is hundred percent. I mean, he, he, his his shot is never going to be what you need for a second line center, but everything else. Like the the overtime winner that a file I follow scored. What great work by Deneau on the last homestand. And he he's just come in. He's fitting well. He's a good guy in the room, and he's done exactly what you needed. This is why they brought him in. I, I know people would want maybe me as well would want a, a more offensive presence in the middle for the second line, and maybe that eventually happens with either Quinton or maybe you know in the long term maybe Velarde. But I, just as advertised, good guy, and just a, definitely a need and. The, the chemistry that we mentioned about with Ali follow. So just as advertised, well worth the price. I know some people looked at that deal and said, oh, that's a lot of money. But I think for right now, without Phil, they're not close to being the team they are right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Great signing. It's paying dividends. It's working for all the reasons that you mentioned. And for anybody upset about the money, I mentioned this in a podcast uh, over the summer, Dennis. You have to figure out the math long term that Agreed. over the next three or four years, they'll be dealing with or they, they will have, they plan to have Byfield in the lineup, and so you have the larger Deneau contract offset Absolutely by the entry-level contract for Byfield. It's just the way the salary cap Amen. works. So uh, they have the money, so to speak, because they'll be saving money on the Agreed. Byfield deal. So there you go. Uh, quickly, Dennis, let's wrap up with the defensive side of things. Obviously, as the roster stands today, not a lot of options because um, six and seven from a healthy body perspective would be Clegg and Strand, like yes. we talked about earlier. I'm curious, though, uh, Bjornfoot and Anderson – that seems to be a pair that Todd has stuck with, and he's rotated back and forth. Uh, Mata Clegg as a pair, mm-hmm. uh, and Edler Roy as a pair, but then he, he keeps flipping them, and so sometimes you'll see yeah. Clegg with Edler and Roy with Mata. I was just wondering, uh, do you have do you have an opinion one way or the other which of those those combinations you like better, or you don't? I really think care? John depends on the matchup, right, or how those players are playing. Mm-hmm. I think Do- Todd makes those decisions pregame depending on the team. Is it a more physical team? Is it a more you know skating team? And then I think in game he's not. He's not against, you know, flipping those pairs. But, yeah, Anderson and, and Bjornfoot, what can you say, John? Like, you know, 19 minutes a night each guy. One guy's plus nine, the other guy's plus seven. I know the offense isn't there, may never be there, but just two effective guys who I, I thought would be challenged to play the physical game, but they have been just – they've been exceptional here. They they really have. It's been, to me, maybe not a surprise because of a first-round pick in, in Bjornfoot. And, you know, as people – as you've noted, John – Mike Anderson never stops talking. He's become a vocal leader on this team and Drew Doughty's absence. So just a wonderful performance by these two kids 15 games into the season. Yeah, I personally like Clegg better with Edler and Roy with Mata. I think that they complement mm-hmm. each other. I think that Edler um, can help support sure. Clegg uh, on, on the defensive side of things. And I think the same thing. I think that Roy better supports Oli Mata uh, as a pair. But, hey, like you said, you can you can mix and match there on, on the uh, – based upon the matchups of that particular opponent on any given night. I just want to leave you with this, Dennis, on the defensive side of things. I shared this with Boomer the other day uh, during Mayor's Minutes. I am seeing some some comparison, at least in my mind, to the 92-93 Kings. Gretzky was out. I know everybody remembers 93, the Kings went to the right. finals against Montreal. But Wayne missed the first three, four mm-hmm. months of the season uh, with an injury. And during that time, they put the C on Luke, and the team you know, did what they did. And I remember Luke talking about it at the time, saying that, you know, when 99 is on the ice, that he's so much better than everybody else, that players, even subconsciously at times, tend to sort of stand around and wait for him to do things. And they're watching yeah. and waiting for you know it to be the Wayne sure. show. And I'm thinking about the way the Kings have played 
and the way they've come together and galvanized defensively in the absence of Drew Doughty. And it reminds me of that because Drew Doughty is by far and away the most skilled defenseman that they have. Of there is a steep drop yes. off when from eight, <laughs> right, from number eight into the other seven defensemen. And that's taking nothing away no. from them. They're NHL players, right? They're among the best 700, you know, players, uh, you know, hockey players in the world playing in the NHL. But the point is, Drew Doughty is an all world player. He's at a completely different level sure. than those other players. And when you take Drew out of the lineup, it no longer becomes the Drew show because he's not there. And so what it forces players to do, and I was talking with the coach about this over the weekend as well. Uh, and, and um, <clears throat> Well, anyway, uh, and, and what they were talking about was also what, what it does mentally, that if you're a player and you feel that you're in the groove, and then when you get into a tough spot in the game and uh, they pull you off the yeah. ice because that's Drew's time right, to go out right, there and take care right. of that. Just what it does to a player that like you're not trusted to be able to be used in that situation or that you don't even get the opportunity to play in that situation, right? It just, it does things to you mentally where now with Drew out of the lineup, you're like, Hey, you have to go out there and solve that problem. You have to go out there and shut that other team's best player down, or you have to go out there on the power play and eat those minutes or whatever. So it does, it has a positive impact short-term Dennis. short-term, short-term yeah. not long-term. No. no one's talking about trading drew Doughty. No one's here to make the argument. This team is better without right. drew Doughty in the lineup, right? Everybody wants number eight to be back. It's no different than in 92, 93 people couldn't wait for Wayne to come back, but it does create an interesting dynamic that some teams when their star player is out of the lineup for an extended period, they man somewhat up. fold yep. versus this time yep. they man up and they, it actually, they become better because I think all of these defensemen will be better. Dennis, once drew Doughty is in the 100%. lineup, they will be better for what they have been going through of late. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think also, I think it's not just the defense, John. I think it's the, it's the, the forwards as well. I, I think that the defense has been helped because of, of the system that's working and they check really well, like that game yesterday against Winnipeg. I know they lost the game in overtime, but Winnipeg didn't get much, John. Like, in most of these teams, they don't – like, at some stretches of the game, the Kings get outplayed. But for the most part, they're not giving up a lot. And that's not just the defense. It's the responsibility of the, the forwards coming back and coming back on defense and supporting the, the, the blue line. And I think that's part of it as well. It's taking less pressure off. But I just think as a group, all 20 guys, they've all manned up. And we haven't even talked about number 32 yet, right, who's – Really yeah. Up. But yeah, I think it's been, I agree with you, John, at some point in time, that's what happens. There's a tipping point, right? Drew goes out, everybody falls apart, and they go, oh, we can't do this without Drew, or like, okay, I need to do a little bit more, and that's what's happened. Everybody's done a little bit more, and the results have been, you know, wins. And Dennis, some people don't want to hear about this, but the coach has something to do with that as well, right? The coach is ultimately responsible for communicating uh, and for orchestrating and being the master of puppets. Right. So. The coach hasn't done that bad of a job either. Uh, Dennis, let's wrap this program up. We'll come back and we'll do another show soon. We'll spend three hours. We'll break down the power play. Uh, <laughs> you can do that, for today, for today, yeah, for, for t- We'll do that live from Ontario. Uh, we'll get Dennis out to the rain game and, talk about the power and we'll record play. a three-hour okay. episode on the power play. TB, sure. it's been great. Welcome back to the States. Absolutely. Good to see your face again. Absolutely, and uh, can't wait to do this again yeah, soon. Yeah, it was a great episode, John. Can't wait for the next one. All right, everybody, have a good one. Wednesday night, the Kings are home. Alex Ovechkin's in town, and the Kings will be wearing their new alternate jerseys. We'll talk to everybody soon. You know I'm a dreamer, but my heart's a goal. I had a runaway high, so I wouldn't come home, no. Just when things went right, it doesn't mean they were
just one more night. <laughs>